Hello everyone and welcome to Celtic Preacher podcast number 60. What is God like? How involved is God in my life? Jesus spent a lot of time teaching about these kinds of topics. You know, how does God work with people? How does God work with nations? In fact, even bigger, how does God work with all creation? All of this is addressed in the scripture. Jesus spoke about God being like a good father. This is one way God is involved with us. God's like a good father. So that's an image that suggests an involved presence, an engaged presence. Jesus spoke about God being like a good shepherd. Well, that would suggest a protective, providing presence. See, it's great to talk about God, but I mean, what's difficult is, is describing, well, what kind of God is this? I mean, the whole concept of God is so huge and big and, you know, we can't wrap our head around it. So Jesus would use common everyday images to help us understand how God actually works with us. Today we're going to be looking at uh, a nice passage from Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was a prophet in the Old Testament. In fact, I'm going to read you the text here because this is an image about God being like a potter. They're all just different ways to help us understand who this one is that holds all things together. So today, Jeremiah the prophet is shown another way to think about God, another dimension. God is like a potter. Now, we always use the word like. God is like a father or God is like a nurturing uh, mother or God is like a shepherd because it's the closest description we have. We don't really know what God is like, but we can say, the scriptures say, well, it's something like this. It's something like a potter. Now, if you've ever worked with clay, or if you've ever watched someone work with clay, you're going to know that the potter shapes the clay. So right away, uh, the prophet is saying, that Jeremiah is saying, when we, when we think about God, when we think about how God works in our lives, God is like a potter, and we are like clay. And the suggestion is, is that God changes us and shapes us and transforms us. So the image is suggesting that it's a very hands-on experience. The potter works with the clay. So if God's the potter, I'm the clay. So let me just read to you a couple of lines from this Jeremiah 18. This is long, long before Jesus. This is way back in the uh, Old Testament. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will let you hear my words. So first thing God's saying is, Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house because when you go there, I'm going to show you something about me. And you can tell the people what I teach you. So off Jeremiah goes to the potter's house. Verse 3, Jeremiah 18. So I went down to the potter's house 
and there he was working on his wheel. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand and he reworked it into another vessel as seemed good to him. And then verse 5, I've got to, sh this is a great part too. Then the word of the Lord came to me and said, Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as this potter has done, says the Lord? Just like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. Now, again, it's a passage that gives us insight into how God works with our choices our wise choices, our foolish choices. It's a passage that gives us insight into how God works with our life decisions, our good decisions and our bad decisions. It's a passage that tells us that God is not far off and uninvolved in our lives. Now, sometimes we certainly feel that, right? Sometimes we feel that we're on our own here. But Jeremiah is saying, no, that's not the way it actually is. God is not far off and uninvolved. We may sense that we're fully independent and we choose the way to live, and but the passage is saying God at any moment, at any moment, just like a potter, can pick us up like a piece of wet clay and in the divine potter's hand, the clay can be reworked into another vessel as seemed good to the potter. It's like, oh, wow, what is that about? What does that mean? I don't know if this is good news or bad news if I'm wet clay. Sounds a bit startling, really, that God can just pick me up and squish me down and start all over again. Verse 6 says, can I, can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as this potter has done? House of Israel. This is interesting. House of Israel, the nation is addressed. It's the whole group. Now, we tend to think in the West here, in, in uh, North America, UK, Europe, we tend to view life in an individualistic way. You know, it's all about me. But the ancient people... The ancients were collectivistic, meaning that they were concerned about the group. So oftentimes in the scripture, God addresses the entire nation. And there are still collectivistic nations today. People from China think about the group, or Korea, or Japan. It isn't just all about me, it's about the extended family, or the community, or the town, or the country. So the fact that in much of the scripture, God addresses the entire group is, is just worth noting because God's speaking to the entire nation here of ancient Israel. Now, at this point in ancient Israel's history, let me just give you a little bit of background for this. The, the background is, is that ancient Israel needed a lot of reshaping as a nation because they had drifted away and they didn't even try to follow God's ways at this point in their life. There's a phrase in the Old Testament that you'll come across a lot. It says, the phrase is, they worshipped idols. 
which doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense to us today, but basically what it means is when a group worships idols or when a person worships an idol, it, it, it looks like they do whatever is right in their own eyes. Exactly whatever they want, regardless of how it affects other people. So when it says that ancient Israel went off and worshipped idols, it means that everybody's doing their own thing and nobody's really paying much attention to what God says is good as good or right or true. When this happens, the nation, and of course the individuals, but also the, the nation tends to move in a particular direction. When ancient Israel started to worship idols, they became violent as a nation. They oppressed the widows and the orphans, which that would be the poor and the weak and the needy. And overall, the ancient people said that they believed in God, they called themselves God's chosen people, but you would never know by looking at their culture or their values or individual lives. So when God looked at ancient Israel, he saw this violent, oppressive culture. Nobody's looking after anyone else. Everybody's doing their own thing, doing what seems right in their own eyes. They say that they believe, they say we're God's people, nothing bad can happen to us. We're the chosen ones, we have God's blessing. And then the prophets appear time and time again with the same message, and the message is always, uh, no, you can't just say that you believe and live this way. It Actually, as far as the prophets are concerned, it doesn't really matter what you say. It doesn't really matter what you tell yourself. It's how you live that's important. That's what matters. Another way of saying this is, is what you truly believe about yourself, about your life, about your values, you will live. What's truly important to you will guide you. So if the ancient people, to the ancient people, the prophets say, you can't just say, well, yeah, we're God's people, we follow God, but Jeremiah is saying, no. You're violent, you're oppressive, you have no regard for the poor, you have no regard for the vulnerable. So God is saying to you, like this pot, like this clay, I can pick you up at any time and reshape you. So it actually turns out to be that it's really a warning passage, doesn't it? To the very first listeners, it's like a warning. Actually, it reminds me a little bit of John the Baptist. But to the very first listeners, the clay <laughs> is still wet and it can be shaped and molded. And Jeremiah is saying, listen, the way you're living, it's not good. And God, at any time, the divine potter can come, pick you up and reshape you. So for the first listeners, it's certainly a passage that speaks about the sovereignty of God. It tells us that God has a purpose for individuals, and not only individuals, but God has a purpose for the nations. Indeed, I mean, God has a purpose for all of creation. It tells us ultimately, ultimately God is in control. It tells us God does not ignore injustice 
indefinitely for nations or individuals. Now, from our limited perspective, and because we're so restricted when it comes to time frames, we often look upon disasters of various kinds and think, oh, this is terrible, the injustice here is awful. Why doesn't God do something? Because we always want things to happen within our time frame. But the scripture points to a much longer time frame. And it says, God will not ignore injustice indefinitely. For nations or individuals, we violate God's ways at our own peril. Right? In other words, you break God's law. Actually, we break ourselves on God's law. That's really the way the commandments work. We break ourselves. Like, for example, in Genesis, when God said, here's, here's the way to live. Take care of the earth. Look after the earth. Be careful with it. We can say yes or we can say no. If we say no, and if we choose to not take care of the earth well, then we end up destroying the earth and we end up hurting ourselves, right? As we can see with the environment just now. That's kind of the way that the law works. It is set up in such a way that if we don't follow it or if we break it for whatever reason, we end up hurting ourselves, hurting humanity, hurting creation. But anyway, back to this text here. Jeremiah is saying, just like this potter who shapes a vessel and plans how to use that vessel, so God also has plans on how to use us as individuals and collectively as a nation. Now, there is, of course, a crucial difference between clay and people, right? Because unlike inanimate clay, people have a choice. We have a choice whether or not we will be shaped by the divine potter. Now, if you were to carry on reading through the chapters 18 and 19, you would read and you would find out in the context it's all really a call for the ancient people to change their lives and return to God. And returning to God always looks the same. It always looks like people being open to God's will for their lives, God's design and God's purpose for their lives. So the whole idea of us being like clay is the understanding that God works with us, as in shaping us, changing us. And like the ancient peoples, I mean, we don't always make the right choices, right? For various reasons, we're like the ancient people. We are forefathers and mothers. We don't always make the right choices. We regret many choices. Many of us regret many choices. Maybe the choices that we regret affected our lives negatively. I mean, we look at our life and we think of our career choice and we think, well, this, this isn't what I hoped it would be. This isn't how I hoped it would be at all. This isn't life-giving. I don't want to do this. Why did I do this in the first place? I don't want to do this. Or what if you married the wrong person? I wish I had thought this through more rather than just jump into this. 
Now what? Or maybe you feel like you've made mistakes uh, raising your children or dealing with a difficult person in your life or a conflicted situation. You know, in hindsight, maybe you're saying, well, you know, I really didn't handle that well. I wish I could go back and begin again. I wish I could do things differently. I wish I'd thought about this in the light of God. I wish I, I wish I'd waited for some guidance rather than just rushed on ahead. I wish I'd waited for some clarity. Well, that's these are common things, right? These are common regrets that we rush on ahead and we think, what a mess this is. What a mess. Actually, regret isn't the worst place to be in our spiritual lives. I mean, at least it shows that we're, you know, paying attention. So the bad news is, is that, or maybe this is just the reality, it's not bad news. God absolutely gives us complete freedom to make terrible mistakes. There's the reality. The good news is that God works in and with the messes we've made. Now, it's still painful, but it's not a lost cause, in other words. It's still painful, right? I mean, I say that because we always we, we end up living with the consequences of our choices. So it's not like we can go back and pretend that nothing happened, because we're always living with the consequences of our bad choices. However, what this passage is suggesting is that the divine potter can step in and shape us and change us at any point. So no matter what state the clay is in, that'd be me, right? No matter what state the clay is in, it's not a lost cause in the potter's hand. Now, I have a friend, my friend Jean is a master potter and he works, of course, with clay in his studio. And the one thing I learned from Jean was, is that clay is never wasted. It's reused, provided it's not fired, right? So if you're working with clay that isn't conforming the way that you want and it's drying out, you simply set it aside add water, and rework it. Even if it's dried out completely, if it's green, if it's green clay, meaning it's not been fired, it can be softened and it can be reused. So, keeping with this metaphor, this image, it's like everything in our life, everything in our life can be used by God. Nothing's wasted. It can be reshaped, reformed, and made new. In other words, God can work in spite of our poorest choices. God can work in spite of our deepest wounds. God can work in us in spite of our greatest mistakes. We can begin again with God's help. And I think that one of the most important truths here is, is that that it's God who's doing the shaping and it's God who's doing the changing. So 
the pressure's off us. The pressure's off you. Because I think we can get really tired and weary and discouraged when we get when we're under the impression, well, it's it's up to me to change. You know, I have to do this. I have to somehow get my life together. It's it's up for me. It, it's all up to me to grow, or it's all up for me to get stronger, or it's all up to me to fix a problem, or it's all up to me to get over something or change something in me. It's not. That's not the way that the life in the spirit works at all. It's, yes, our willingness is important and our willingness is necessary. But it seems to me that if God's the potter, a lot of the work is done to us, not by us. Which, by the way, is why we call it amazing grace. It's amazing because it's not all about us. That's what grace looks like. God comes to us. God works with us. It's the potter who shapes and changes and builds. And yeah, if we have to start again, then we'll start again. We'll go right back again. We'll start again. We'll reshape. And as clay, all our task is to just stay open to God's design for us and not resist God's design. Rather than resist aspects of our lives, which is futile anyway. I mean, what's the point in <laughs> resisting? N nothing changes, right? Rather than resist aspects of our lives, faith says, Divine Potter, okay, what can I learn here? What can I learn here? If you're the potter and I'm the clay and this is my life, why am I here and what do you want me to learn? What is your design for my life? How is this event or this problem or this challenge shaping me? How are you shaping me? How are you shaping me? What do I, what's, what, what do I have to learn in this? at this time. Now, for some of us, we're going to all answer these questions differently because for some of us, we're being shaped into people who can learn how to forgive. That seems to be the theme this year of your life or it seems to be the season of your life. And then for other people, it's like, well, maybe we think we're being shaped into people who will not be led by fear. Maybe that's the season of my life. I'm being, I, I, this keeps coming to me. It keeps coming back over and over again. Don't be led by fear. Don't be led by fear. Could that even be possible? Well, could that even be possible? If God is the divine potter, change can happen. Change can happen. For some of us, reshaping looks like stopping the habit of thinking on behalf of others. Think how that would change your life if you stopped thinking on behalf of other people. Meaning, we really don't know what someone else is thinking about a situation or us. We really don't. For some of us, 
the potter is working with us, maybe we're, you know, resisting the need to control. Maybe we have to learn true compassion. Maybe we have to learn uncalculated generosity. Maybe we have to learn how to love ourselves. What if that's what, if that's what God is doing in my life? How about you learning how to learning how to love yourself? Or maybe I need to learn to not take offense. Not take everything so personally. You see how it's we're all so different. God's going to be working with us in so many different ways. The shaping is different for each one of us because we're all in different places. For some of us, reshaping looks like my life is taking a completely new direction. It really doesn't matter how God is shaping us. I mean, the prayer is, I mean, the heart cry is, okay, here I am, show me your way. Whatever seems good to you, Divine Potter, I'm in your hands. I'm in your hands. And I'm open. Whatever direction, whatever way, whatever lesson, I mean, let's just go for this. Let's just go for it. Let's just go for it. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher. We've been looking at God is the potter. I am the clay. And there's our, there's our heart cry. Let's, let me keep open, God. Let me try and stay open to you no matter what is happening in my life today.